the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Many of us believe that our genes doom us to the disorders that run in our families. But today's guest, Dr. Ben Lynch, believes that with the right plan in place, we can optimize our physical and mental health and ultimately rewrite our genetic destiny. Dr. Lynch is the best-selling author of Dirty Genes and president of Seeking Health, a company that helps educate both the public and health professionals on how to overcome genetic dysfunction. Welcome, Dr. Lynch. Thanks for joining us. Awesome to be here, Joan. So, Doctor, you are a doctor of naturopathic medicine, and I want to start off by talking a little bit about you and how you got interested in focusing on genetics. Well, it's years, years ago, the, the seed was planted when I was just a kid, and I remember I was about 17 years old, and I was standing in the hallway, and my stepmom was talking with someone, uh, one of her friends, and my stepmom looked at me, and she said, you know, uh, schizophrenia uh, runs in your family. And uh, it really tends to show its head when you become a teenager, you know, an adolescent adult, uh, you know, a young adult. And I, I'm thinking here okay, in my head, well, that's uh, about a year from now. So I'm just going to wake up one day as a schizophrenic. Uh, that made me very uncomfortable. So, you know, right then and there, it was uh, planted in. And then I also heard, you know, many, many, many times growing up, well, alcoholism runs in your family. So, you know, you're next. Man, you know, this I, I don't think I'm going to become an alcoholic. And thankfully, I'm now 46. I'm I'm neither schizophrenic. I'm neither uh, an alcoholic. And you know, I do have moments of of mental uh, craziness, like we all do, especially this year 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it it kind of showed up again in the clinic later on in life when I realized I wasn't the only one having these same thoughts. Um, and also when doctors would apply the same exact treatments for depression or anxiety or heavy metal uh, chelations um, or environmental removal of various uh, you know compounds that people were exposed to, they'd use the same treatments, but other people would either do very poorly or they would do better or they would do nothing, no change. But they had the same symptoms. They had the same exposures. So what's different was in my head. And uh, I started thinking, well, genetics must be a component, and it definitely is. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about that, because what you just described, as you said, so many of us feel that way, that we think, you know, for me, for example, my mother had heart disease, my father had lung cancer. So, you know, if I was taking the genetic standpoint, I would say to myself, the odds are I may have heart disease or lung cancer. So that's the way many of us think and and what we believe, but the science of epigenetics proves otherwise. So can you explain to us a little bit more about how all of this works and the power that we actually have? 100%. And I I just want to quickly state right now for people that we have genetic susceptibilities to schizophrenia or cancer or, you know, various other common conditions, you know, hypertension and so on. But if you know what those susceptibilities are ahead of time, and then you look at your genes and you're understanding your genetics, then you say, okay, well, these are my, these are where my susceptibilities are. This is what I need to do with them. So let's put a very simple thing. People use car analogies all the time, right? So if, 
if you if you walk into your car and you see that your right rear wheel is a bit low, do you think you're going to be going the same speed limit as you normally would? Are you going to be cutting corners and turning sharp? You know, or are you going to look at that and take an action and say, you know what, I can't pump up my tire right now, but I'm going to drive this somewhat gingerly. When I go around corners, I'm going to take it a bit easier. And then when I finally get to the gas station, insert those quarters and, and you know, fill up the, the hole in the tire, you know, I should be good. But, you know, is that the real fix or do I actually need to go and fix the tire even better or, or is that it? And I just need to keep an eye on that and keep pumping uh, air in the tire. That's the same thing. And that tire has a job to do. The, the job of that tire is to keep that car moving in a safe forward, you know, safe direction, uh, in a safe way. Our genes are the same. They have jobs to do and they have to function at their best. And when genes don't have the tools or the resources to function at their best, they can't. And so what happens is other genes step up to compensate for that one particular gene, like the three other tires in that one car will compensate and and help the car move forward even better than that one flat one. But over time, those compensating genes are gonna get overworked and they too will start failing. So ultimately what you need to do is figure out which genes are susceptible and then you take action and the epigenetics as you said earlier the, the genes get their instructions from you for the most part yeah we have maybe you know a certain hair color you know i'm brown hair and i have hazel eyes and i have lighter skin you know that is genetically hard-coded in my body done fixed i can't change that but what you can change is how you're thinking how you're moving um, in terms of uh, energy and your ability to fall asleep at night, to wake up in the morning. All these things are very, very adaptable and agile. Well, and that gives us a lot of power, doctor, because like you're saying, we have, you know, we start out with the genetic blueprint, but then we can control our environment, our thoughts, our food, our movement, our sleep. That really does give us so much control over the way we live. Yeah, I mean, how many of us use Google Maps? you know, or, or Apple Maps when we're driving mm-hmm. and you have your usual route to get to, to work or, you know, vacation and you're, you're doing these things, but you're checking, you know, and oftentimes my wife goes, well, why are you using Google Maps? I said, I've told you, honey, you know, I use it because sometimes there's an accident up ahead and I will use an alternate route. So, you know, you have the ability, we have maps, you know, our genes is, are hard coded in our body, but we have the ability to understand once we can see them, you know, where the sticky points are, and, and if it is a sticky point there, can we optimize the function of that sticky point and clean it up? Or do we have to go around an alternate way if that one particular gene is really, really stuck and not, you know, able to get cleaned up? There's alternate routes. The body is inherently beautiful and brilliant because there's so much redundancy in the system. So if something fails, there's a backup. And if there's that fails, there's typically another backup. So Things are, things are really good. We have to really, really dirty our genes in order for us to get symptoms. And a lot of us tell our bodies to shut up when we get those symptoms. Headache, mm-hmm. take a NSAID. You know, fever, you take something to knock the fever down. Depression, you take an antidepressant. You get an infection, you take an antibiotic. You hear the anti, anti, anti. It's all against the body. Start supporting your body and start seeing great things. We're in the midst of a pandemic right now. And everything that we're talking about from a genetic standpoint It can help us keep our immune system strong and therefore fight off these viruses and colds and and things that are out there attacking us. Yeah, I'm kind of shadow banned right now on social media because, uh, you know, I'm sharing research that the main, uh, you know, who knows, uh, doesn't like. So, you know, I made a post which is kind of inflammatory. Uh, I'll, I'll grant that that, you know, we think that the virus is killing us and it's, it's not the virus that's killing us. It's our own immune system that's mm-hmm. responding to the viral infection. Viruses aren't even alive. You know, let's start there. And if, if we are so worried about COVID-19 as a population, as a civilization, then we need to really back up and look and say, okay, what's really going on here? Why are we really getting hammered and who is getting hammered and why are they getting hammered? And what can we do to truly support them? Because masking up and quarantining is not a real long-term solution. So what is the long-term solution? The long-term solution is identifying the weak points, what these genetic uh, issues are, what are the susceptibilities, and what actions can they as individuals take to support those particular genes. And there's a plethora of things that you can do. And um, what happens with with COVID-19 
and, and infections in general, you know, let's just talk about in general, you get an infection, your body will slowly recognize it, hopefully. Some people can't even recognize the infection, but the body will recognize the infection. It will trigger the immune response to start making cells, which will kill that said infection. And then the infection will get killed, and then the body will mount a repair response. The problem with COVID is the, the body will mount an immune response and then it will keep mounting it and keep mounting it and keep mounting it until it's just insane. And now the body is in a hyperimmune state where it is just attacking self. And that's where you get the water filled, you know, filling in your lungs, you get the pneumonia and uh, the horrible headaches and so on. So, you know, if you know that you can take action and support your immune system from attacking itself by using things like vitamin D and glutathione. When you talk about COVID, we all feel like we're so helpless and everybody's sitting back waiting for a vaccine and vaccines are wonderful. So let me say that up front, but we're sitting back waiting for some magic bullet, which is, you know, it seems to be our mentality on so many lifestyle disorders rather than doing what you're saying and getting ourselves into top fighting form and combating the high blood pressure and the diabetes and, and all of those things that are making us sick to begin with, we're waiting for some magic to come and do the job, where it's really, you know, it sounds simple, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's getting to the root cause. It's keeping ourselves in the best health that we can be in. Yeah. And, and you know, when you, when you state, you know, it is a lot of work and, you know, it, it could be, um, it could be. And, you know, but it can be as simple as getting out in the sun more. Mm-hmm. I mean, the vitamin D levels at the peak of COVID were the lowest in the Northern Hemisphere. You know, it hit us, you know, somewhere in late, what was it, late January, February, March, you know, in those months, it's all a blur at this point. Um, but it, it hit us when our vitamin D levels were naturally low because we're indoors, we're staying warm, and the sun is not at its peak. So, you know, if we supplement with vitamin D, our immune system is more balanced. Vitamin D is a steroid hormone. Vitamin D is very, very powerful. It not only supports the, the immune system in, in surveying and um, fighting infections, but it also says at the same time, hey, now let's not get too crazy and attack ourselves. And vitamin D also supports insulin levels. And we can see that diabetics are at risk here and obesity is at risk. And if you're obese, your vitamin D is more in your fat than it's in your blood and your immune system. So now you've diluted your vitamin D levels because you know a lot of that vitamin D, since it's fat soluble, is hanging out in your fat. So you know losing weight, balancing your blood sugar, these are massively important. And getting out in the sun more is also really important. But just taking a few drops of vitamin D, you know, you know, 5,000 IUs a day um, for adults typically, and then measuring and getting your levels up above 30 um, for vitamin D is, is, is not difficult. But health is a four-letter word, as I clearly state in the book, Dirty Genes, W-O-R-K. Why do you think so many doctors today are not prescribing more of a natural way for healing? Why are they so stuck on going the pharmaceutical route at all costs? Honestly, because they're forced to. The The medical schools, the education um, is all leaning towards big pharma and big food. Um, and when they get into practice, the insurance companies um, and the licensing bodies uh, require doctors practice in a certain manner. And how do I know this information? Well, one, I'm a licensed primary care physician here in, in the United, in uh, Washington state. So I am a you know, practicing um, where I'm a licensed physician. I don't see patients anymore, but I maintain my licensure. So, and I would give uh, conferences to 300 plus health professionals who would fly in from all over the world to attend my conferences. And they'd be MDs, DOs, DCs, RNs, you know, what have you, it didn't matter. Um, and we came in one room under one roof and we all wanted the same thing. We all wanted to help autistic children. We all wanted to help, um, you know, men and women uh, who with hypertension and or pregnancy issues or what have you. It didn't matter. And we all wanted to help them, you know, using the most natural methods possible. Doctor after doctor after doctor uh, would come up to me as an MD and say, I try to implement in this practice, uh, this, this stuff in my practice, and I, the board um, comes after my license. Um, or my license has been revoked, or you know the insurance companies are dropping me. So they are they go to into medicine because they want to help people, and then they are forced into a system that doesn't let them do it the way they 
actually want to, it's the way they have to. And um, it, it's very, very unfortunate. And it's very, it's awful for the patient because, you know, we, we get mad at these doctors for doing that. And we try to find doctors who will do the, will utilize natural methods, but truly they are hogtied, handcuffed. And uh, I, I hear it constantly. Is there anything that we as healthcare consumers can do to help make change? Yes, your wallet, your wallet. You know, it's, it's wherever you spend your money is where resources go ultimately. If you really believe that the ice bucket challenge is for the better good of, of people, then you're going to give money for that, right? But ultimately what you're doing is you're giving money to drug companies to, you know, continue drug development and they get richer. If instead you understand that um, there's other organizations or other companies that go about things in a different way, in a more natural way, and you give them your money that direction, you're going to make change. So it's, it's down to your wallet. And if you walk in the grocery store and you are buying, um, you know, foods that are sprayed with pesticides and herbicides, you're supporting that industry. If you don't, then you're not. So, you know, you don't think you have an impact. You have a massive impact. And that's one thing that I've been shadow banned on social media for is because I've been speaking up just like I'm speaking up here on your show. And I appreciate you, um, you know, permitting that, Joan. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's uh, you, you got to speak up and you speak up with your money and just shop uh, accordingly. And I understand that some of these things are expensive, um, but, uh, you know, and it's not so many companies own so many different things. It's harder. Um, so it, it's, it's not easy. Well, and I think a theme of this conversation is is that we are powerful, whether it be in maintaining our health or enacting change. We do have the power to do something, even when we do feel powerless. And and that kind of leads me to my next question, because my brand is Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. So I believe in the power of thoughts and, and what we believe we can do or achieve, accomplish. Can you explain from a medical perspective, what happens when we have negative thoughts, what does that do to our body? How does our perception affect our genes? Well, let's, let's go through this exercise a little bit right now. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening, you know, close your eyes, unless you're driving, don't do that. <laughs> um, so just imagine yourself, um, you just uh, heard from your boss or you got a, okay, you know, if you're running your own company that people can run it for you and you just got a two month all expenses paid vacation to anywhere in the world with anyone you want. How does that make you feel? Peaceful. There's a, like a, a real calming feeling that's just running through my body right now. Yeah. So I'm doing the same thing. I feel lighter. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm almost levitating. You know, I'm sitting down and my whole chest and my arms, everything in my head even just got light. Now, um, and and uh, like you said, in my hands, wow, my hands got hot. So my hands got nice and warm. Okay. Now you're driving down the freeway and you, there's traffic in everywhere. Somebody just cut you off, just slammed on the brakes right in front of you. You reacted and now that's not it. You've got this police car that's got its lights on behind you. You look in your rear mirror and they're motioning you to pull over. Now, how do you feel? I immediately felt uh, a tightening around my chest, and then I started to feel a tensing coming up my legs, tightening and and like a throb almost. Exactly. So we went from a more outward, lighter, um, you know, more peaceful to a tighter, you know, more internal fighting position and ready to spring. Okay. And so what happened there is floods of chemicals were just released that fast based upon our conversation. And what happened is we released either, um, you know, uh, histamine or dopamine or norepinephrine um, or epinephrine in, in varying amounts. And when you get stressed out, these release in way higher amounts. Histamine gets released and then that triggers, you know, inflammatory uh, responses um, which then single your body to do other things and you, your, your muscles get ready to go now. And, and your, so does your brain. So you can really focus in an acute tense situation so you can make quicker, faster judgments. You know, when you, if you ever get in a car wreck or, or a bike wreck, 
and you're flying through the air and you can actually make decisions as you're flying through the air, even though it seems like a minute, right? But it's actually a millisecond. Well, that's because you have a huge amount of neurotransmitters in your brain right now, allowing that moment in time to go on forever. So you've flooded your brain with massive amounts of neurotransmission in acute situations. And is that good? Yeah, it's great during an acute situation, but if you keep doing that on a chronic, if you have chronic daily stress, it's demanding to make those neurotransmitters because it requires nutrients, which you're consuming every single day, i.e. mainly from protein and vitamin B6 and B12 and folate gets consumed at a massive level. Choline gets consumed at a massive level. And then when you break these neurotransmitters down, they break down also requiring uh, nutrients that you're consuming. So these genes are working to produce the neurotransmitters. They're working to transport them and they're working to eliminate them. And with everything, it requires nutrients. And you get that stuff from your food and from your supplements. And so the more stressed you are, the more catabolic or more hard work your body has to do. If you're the go-to person in your company and your boss or your manager keeps coming up to you and say, hey, you know what, you know, Joan, you're doing an amazing kick-butt job, you know, and I'm going to give you this and I'm going to give you this because you're my A player and now I'm going to give you this. And now what happens? You go from the A player to the B player because now you're overworked, but you have A quality and they keep coming at you. Now somebody else in the company found out that you're the amazing player and they're the C rated employee, but you know, they found that you're the, you're the, the goat, you know, I'm going to go to Joan and give her all the stuff. So the C player starts dumping their stuff on you and you get it done and you give it back to them. That C player has gone up to a B player. You've actually gone from an A to a C. Now that everybody stops going to you and you actually, you're starting to go back to your productive self and you move yourself back to an A player and they come back to you again. See what I'm doing here? It's the ebb and flow. So if you keep leaning on a certain gene on your body for something, maybe you're, you're, you've been on the couch and you want to train more and overtraining is a huge issue that's undiscussed. It needs to happen more. People are overtraining and making themselves sick. Overtraining is demanding. So you have to understand that your genes have jobs to do and in order to do those jobs, they have tools. Those tools come from your food and from supplements, and you cannot overdo it. The book is Dirty Genes, a breakthrough program to treat the root cause of illness and optimize your health. If you'd like to get more information about Dr. Lynch and his work, you can visit drbenlynch.com. That's drdrbenlynch.com. Or as always, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com. Doctor, in about 30 seconds or less, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? change your mind, change your health. I mean, it's it's that simple. Um, And, you know, mindset truly is everything. If you believe that you can, you take a step forward going towards that goal. If you believe you can't, you just stay where you are. So believe that you can do it. Mindset is truly everything. And I know it's really scary, but just apply it to the simplest thing. Maybe, you know, you believe that uh, you know you can't feel better from uh, changing your diet. Well, your next bite today, your next bite, make it a healthy one. Dr. Lynch, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. How much can the right foods do for you? A lot more than weight control. The right foods can increase your energy, improve your outlook, and strengthen your body's natural defenses. What foods can do all that? Primo Health Solutions will show you using metabolic typing. This remarkable program lets your body tell you what it needs to work best. Call them today at 347-903-7030. That's 347-903-7030. Or go to PrimoHealthSolutions.com. Using metabolic typing, Primo Health Solutions will let your body work best. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. We all want 
to live a happy, productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach On Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining us today is Eileen Lashinsky, the founder and creator of Find Body Freedom, a program developed for women who want to change their relationship with their bodies. For over three decades, Eileen battled with her own issues with body image, weight, and her relationship with food. After trying every diet on the market, she realized that the answers to her struggles were right inside her body. Since then, Eileen has been working with women to guide them to discover their own innate body wisdom and to find body freedom. Welcome, Eileen. Thanks for joining us. I'm so glad to be back, Joan. Thank you for having me. So, Eileen, I'm someone who has been on just about every diet imaginable throughout her life. But even in the face of alarming eating disorder statistics and the fact that diets don't work, women still want to lose weight. So what do you believe drives this desire? I think that uh, oftentimes uh, we're looking for one answer, the magic bullet, that if we can find the answer, then um, we, if we can define the question, then we can find the answer and stop doing what we're doing. But I'm going to briefly present to you four hypotheses. And the first one is the influence of social media and selfies that uh, drive us to see images that are unrealistic and drives our desire to want to diet. So that's the first one. The second one is kind of related, where mainstream media mostly uh, depicts ultra-thin women in major roles on TV, in movies. And this, again, has us only seeing a certain body shape and size as someone who is both successful and desirable. And the third one is the desire to be attractive to one's ideal partner. And then the fourth one is the messages we get from our moms. So you can pick one of these or you can pick all of these. Eileen, we tend to associate wanting to lose weight with hating our body the way we are. Is it possible for a woman to love her body and still want to lose weight? Yes, I think it's possible to love your body if you're trying to lose weight to become healthy or healthier. And I'm going to give just one example to stop medication for, let's say, diabetes or high blood pressure. I think we can love our bodies as we're on that path. However, to be honest with you, Joan, I'm not so sure we're loving our body if we just want to lose weight in order to look better. Uh, what message are we sending our bodies? What message are we sending the younger generation? And my question always is, is why can't we love our bodies so that we take the needed steps to become healthy? What do you believe happens when a person loses weight for the quote-unquote wrong reasons? Okay, so we need to uh, remember that uh, health is... Uh, determined by more than a number on the scale. And I just think that that if we are trying to lose weight for vanity reasons, and, you know, I, I have asked this question in my past, will God punish us? Will God punish me with weight gain for being vain if I am doing this for vanity reasons? But this is the issue for me. I would like all of us to change our behaviors to serve our health and well-being rather than weight loss. Those behaviors are learning to follow our body's messages, for example, and uh, how to rest our bodies, how to move them appropriately. And when we do these things, our weight will stabilize and will remain Eileen, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more about Eileen, her work, or her programs, you can visit findbodyfreedom.com. Or as always, to hear more from Eileen, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Eileen. We'll be right back. 
today's supercharged do-it-now world, convenience is key. Now you can listen to Conversations with Joan at a time that's best for you. Simply visit your favorite podcast site, search for Conversations with Joan, and subscribe. New shows drop every Monday. You can also access the podcast through our website, cyacyl.com. Start your week on a positive note. Listen to Conversations with Joan. If doctors told us that we'd made a breakthrough on COVID-19, we would rejoice. We'd feel hope that we could live our lives again, get back to work, back to doing what we want. While masks are a ticket to that freedom, we can help protect others and save lives by covering our noses and mouths, which is how the virus mainly spreads. Until there's a vaccine, grab the breakthrough that's already here. When we're out, it's masks on. A message to help keep you safe. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is WNYM, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City. Welcome back to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. Today's guest, Marcy Zaroff, teaches how to live and shop in harmony with nature without foregoing style or luxury. She provides resources to transform your life through the choices you make. Marcy is an internationally recognized eco-lifestyle entrepreneur and educator. She is the co-founder of the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, Good Catch, and Beyond Brands. And she's the author of the new book, Eco-Renaissance, A Lifestyle Guide for Creating a Stylish, Sexy, and Sustainable World. Welcome, Marcy. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, John. It's great to be with you today. So, Marcy, you've been an entrepreneur for years, much of the time in the sustainable fashion and or conscious business space. For those who may not be familiar with the term, what does eco-lifestyle mean? Yeah, so an eco-lifestyle is one that kind of represents a holistic system where there's an understanding of our relationship with the environment and the full ecosystem around us, right? So um, in the book, I speak a lot about the connection between food and beauty and fashion and business and art and wellness because they are all inter- interconnected on many different levels. Mm-hmm. And and so today when people are embracing more conscious decisions in the choices that they're making, you know, there's an understanding that you can't really support one piece without the other because of this interconnection. So, for instance, people who are eating organic food today may not realize it, um, but organic fashion and organic beauty products are very much built on that same mindset that we want to avoid things that are toxic to our bodies or that harm ourselves or the environment. And I think this is something, as you said, many of us don't even think about. And it almost seems like it's difficult to escape these dangers. What are some of the biggest risks that consumers face today? Well, um, you know, when we when we look at our food system as a starting point, which is often where people do have that seed planted, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've gotten so far removed from food being healing and nourishing and nurturing and, you know, giving us the strength um, and the vitality that it's meant to provide us with. I mean, Hippocrates once said, let food be thy medicine, right? You know, food is an extension of ourselves. It's the energy we're putting in our bodies that becomes who we are. That's why people say you are what you eat. However, in today's world, if you really look at, you know, the food system, it's become such a a system based on, you know, on an industrialized methodology and mindset that there's a detachment from what that energy actually is. And if you pull the curtain back and you start reading the labels on many of the foods that are out there today, um, you wouldn't be able to pronounce a lot of ingredients. You know, there's so many chemicals. And then you look at agriculture and which is another whole piece of this equation. And, you know, we've, we've destroyed much of the soil on our planet, which is the skin of the earth, because we've, you know, been using conventional methods of agriculture. And, uh, and that includes things like glyphosate and pesticides and fertilizers that are harmful. And, you know, we've broken down those ecosystems in our soil, and we depend on those. So, you know, in an organic methodology or mindset, it's, you know, healthy soil creates healthy plants, which creates healthy people. And so it goes back to, you know, pulling the curtain back and starting to unveil, you know, what are the human and environmental impacts of the 
choices that we're making every day, you know, food and beyond. Where can someone begin? You, you mentioned food, but if we're looking at all aspects of our life, let's simplify this a little bit for our listeners. Where should we begin and what can we do to make healthier choices? Yeah, so, um, you know, the, the book really maps out a lot of resources from brands to look for to websites to go to. Um, obviously, the Internet has changed the game for this whole movement. I've been living this lifestyle for nearly three decades. And, you know, we used to be kind of the uh, hippie, crunchy, frumpy, you know, perceived to be that way. I was always very stylish and always loved high quality and great product. But, but you know, there were stigmas that were always attached to this movement, you know, the alternative, right? But, you know, it's it's a new day today. And, you know, for food as an example, you know, this isn't about Whole Foods markets anymore. This is, you know, you can buy organic and healthier food choices on Amazon where you can read reviews and you can read about the products or you can go to Thrive Market online. Um, you know, you there are so many opportunities today, you know, to shop um, in mainstream stores like Costco is the biggest buyer of organic food today. And CVS and Dwayne Reed and Walgreens greens are lining their shelves with eco-friendly beauty products. You know, mm-hmm. this is no longer um, about staying ahead. It's about not being left behind. You know, this movement is, you know, somewhat contagious because I think once people, you know, once people have that seed planted and they realize that, you know, we, we don't have to make choices that ultimately are compromising, you know, human and environmental health or future generations, we can have it all. So I think that where the breakthroughs have happened and where people can find information is really everything from mainstream stores um, to being online um, and going down into specifics. You know, in my book, Eco Renaissance, I lay out in every chapter lots and lots of tips and resources. Are there designations that people should look for when making selections? So I'm a big believer in third-party certification because it's not a perfect system, but it certainly, you know, has a higher likelihood um, of being reassured as a consumer that, you know, the products you're buying are, in fact, what they say they are, right? So in the case of food, the USDA organic seal, as an example, where most people do recognize that seal, you know, that is a federally governed, a federally regulated program. And there are, you know, there are ramifications and and finds that, you know, a company who would be misusing that seal would be subjected to. So it kind of puts in a system in place when you have something like that. Um, our equivalent in the fashion space would be the GOTS seal, the Global Organic Textile Standard. It's not just about the cotton itself in the, in the mattress or in the clothing or the bedding products. It's about, you know, what's going into the finishes, the dyes, you know, the processing of that product. And people don't even realize, I talked a little bit about we are what we eat, but we're also, you know, what we wear or what we sleep on or what we put on our bodies, not just what we put in our bodies, you know, a conventional cotton textile, whether it's your bed sheet or your towel, or it's your jeans and t-shirt, or it's your mattress can be absolutely ridden with harmful chemicals that your skin is up against sometimes for 24 hours a day. You know, we wear a lot of cotton, we use a lot of cotton products. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you when you pull the curtain back and you look at, you know, the pesticides, insecticides, cotton being one of the most heavily sprayed industries in agriculture. And then you also look at the chlorine bleach and sometimes even heavy metals, dyes that are toxic, formaldehyde, um, you know, and other ingredients that are going into these products, you know, and then we wonder why you know, a third of the population has asthma and allergies and skin conditions. And um, it's just a matter of stopping and reflecting on that and and logically saying, you know, are the choices that we making that we're making actually helping us or harming us? Marcy, for the average person who goes into their local shopping mall and they go into some of the, you know, the more well-known brand department stores, what types of garments would they be finding on the rack? Would there be any healthier options? So I think that um, 
I think there's a there's a couple layers to that, right? There's a couple of buckets within the, the world of sustainable fashion that are um, very important today. So one of them, as I already have mentioned, is, you know, looking for organic um, cotton over conventional cotton and high end like Stella McCartney to mm-hmm. mass market like H&M to brands like Outer Known and Mara Hoffman and Patagonia and Prana. Um, there are a lot of companies out there. And I think that, again, going back to having the Internet, you know, we can we can really learn about the brands that we're supporting, and I think that that's a very helpful thing to do. I think you're not going to find, you know, sustainable fashion as ubiquitous, you know, as conventional today, but I think that the train is leaving the station, and you're going to see more and more as each year goes by. Um, so, um, you know, I think it's, it's a matter of... Um, Having that awareness, um, Mm -hmm. you don't know, you know, I think the key to this movement going to the next level is definitely increased accessibility. My brand that I founded in 1996 uh, called Under the Canopy is a brand that sells at Bed Bath & Beyond. Um, You know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, um, Conscious Food is now available everywhere on menus. Um, But going back to, you know, the textile question, so that is one bucket, you know, is organic. There's another another thing to look for, and that would be zero waste or recycled or circular. And I think that that um, is another issue that we have in the fashion industry. You know, the amount of waste that's generated, I mean, more than 5% of landfill space, 10% of the world's carbon footprint is coming out of the fashion industry, the amount of... um, the amount of energy that's being used and and to produce, you know, fast fashion. Um, 20% of the world's freshwater pollution is coming from textile treatment and dyeing. So when we look at, you know, buying things that are recycled, we're not, you know, buying virgin, which are, again, kind of really um, using a tremendous amount of our Earth's resources in the process. So there's also fair trade, and that's another, not only another um, thing to look for, but it's another um, label that you can find, uh, Fair Trade USA, which people are used to seeing on coffee or, you know, ice cream. But today you can buy Fair Trade certified textiles, um, and that is also a growing movement. And if you check out Fair Trade USA, you could probably get a list of all those brands. So I think there's a, as people are entering this world, I think it's a matter of, you know, um, education and and re- and recognizing that um, you need to know what you're looking for and and I think um, but there's a, a greater um, there's a, a greater proliferation now that's happening in sustainable fashion based on the younger generations, the younger designers. Um, Eileen Fisher is just exploding as a brand right now. And I think it's very telling. Those companies that are doing the right thing and Patagonia and Eileen Fisher being, you know, um, leaders, you know, I think you're seeing them, uh, you're seeing growth rate that is much growth rates that are much stronger than their conventional counterparts. And Marcy, your work is so important, and this is such an important conversation to have, because as you were speaking, I was thinking about all the people that are dealing with chronic disease in their body. You mentioned asthma and inflammatory issues and all of these things that people are suffering from. And I would bet anything that they do not think about things like their clothing, the furniture in their home, the items that they're surrounded by as a potential cause of whatever they're going through. Absolutely. And that is where education comes in. And that's one of the reasons I've, I've written the book. It's, you know, to me, there's a, an element of the book that is just logic. You know, mm-hmm. when you, you know, the book is called Eco Renaissance, which is rebirth and the, that awakening that we're part of the ecosystem and that also we are connected to nature. We're not outside of nature. We're a part of it. We have a symbiotic relationship. We breathe out you know, oxygen, we breathe out carbon dioxide and the plants breathe it in, the plants breathe out oxygen, we breathe it in. And what we've done is we've infused our lifestyle with so many harsh chemicals and, and toxic ingredients, you know, with this naivety that the government is protecting us, right? Um, mm-hmm. But if you really start to, you know, research what's in the food, the clothing, the beauty products, the cosmetics, the flooring, the paint, the things that are surrounding us every day that that we're breathing in, that we're, you know, putting on our skin, the largest organ in our body and primary organ for absorption, you'd start to, that logic, that light would start to go off that, oh, you know, and I, I, I pose a lot of questions in my book around this. Like, would you, if there was a, 
you know, a, a small dish and it was mixed with different chemicals, would you stick your finger in it and, and rub that on your skin, you know? And, I, and maybe that's an extreme version. But, you know, in a sense, when you look at um, what what we're doing and, you know, to um, in our surroundings and, the, and, you know, the faster, cheaper, more mentality has only, you know, um, propelled that. Right. Where right. where the quality of things is going down and deteriorating, um, if, you know, in the name of better prices and people are just we've got to, like, reverse that because business as usual is not sustainable on any level anymore. And, and like I said, these are things that we just don't think about. The book is Eco Renaissance, a lifestyle guide for co-creating a stylish, sexy and sustainable world. If you'd like to get more information about Marcy and her work, you can visit MarcyZaroff.com. Marcy, in about 30 seconds or less, what's the takeaway? Hmm, the takeaway really is that we all are part of, you know, what we experience every day. And I think at the core of who we all are, we want happiness, we want love, we want peace. We can create that, we can co-create that, we can have fun while we're doing it so that we can choose smart and we can protect, you know, human and environmental health and future generations. Marcy, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you so much. And um, again, you know, we're all we're all a part of we all live under the canopy of this planet's ecosystem together. We're all in this together. So let's create a positive, uh, healthy, greener, cleaner future for all. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Whether you are the type of person who wears their feelings on their sleeve or you bottle your emotions up until the edge of explosion, your ability to understand and manage your emotions impacts your ability to lead. Researchers have estimated that 75% of a person's ability to succeed is linked to successfully understanding emotional intelligence. Emotions are from inside you. They are not generated from the outside. There are many inclined to believe the world happens to us instead of us happening to the world. This paradigm shift is of critical importance to the success of a business. Now imagine the power of emotional intelligence in a high-pressure crisis situation. It's even more important to be sensitive to your level of emotional intelligence in this environment. Your organization's success will depend on it. Leaders with high emotional intelligence embrace change instead of fearing it. They understand that change is a fact of life and decide to adapt quickly. They are self-aware, committed to a high level of quality in everything they do, and relate to others seeking to understand them. These qualities help the leader model resiliency for others to also adapt to change. There is no time like the present to assess our own power of emotional intelligence. If you'd like to learn more, contact me, Bertha Robinson, at 732-705-5060 or visit my website at staroneprofessional.com. When someone is diagnosed with cancer, they are hit with a barrage of emotions such as fear, anxiety, depression, and desperation. Hi, my name is Roxanne D'Angelo, a certified Reiki master. What is most needed during this crucial time is knowledge that will empower us to choose the appropriate, traditional, and alternative treatments. Reiki is the perfect complementary medicine to incorporate into a cancer treatment plan that offers emotional support with many healing benefits. Reiki is a Japanese practice meaning transfer of universal life energy. It's like having your internal healing switch turned on. According to the American Journal of Integrative Cancer Therapies, Reiki was considered helpful in improving well being by 70%, relaxation by 88%, anxiety and worry 75%, pain relief 45%, improved mood 81%, and decreased fatigue. We have an energetic system called our chakras, which correspond to different parts of the body while governing functions of the organs and glands, as well as specific aspects of the mental, emotional, and spiritual dimensions. If any of these chakras are blocked, the energy cannot flow freely, resulting in dis-ease and dysfunction in that region. Reiki opens up these blockages, allowing energy to flow at a cellular level. Bottom line, Reiki is accepted and being used to help alleviate symptoms of cancer treatment and aid in quick recovery. If you would like more information, you can visit me on the web at crystalclearenergies.com or call 201-615-0960. It's time for To Your Health. Joining us today to talk about diet typing for immune support is Mark Anthony, the founder of Prospect Fitness located in Brooklyn, New York. Mark 
Mark is also the Vice President of Operations for Diet Typing Systems, an online personal diet therapy system. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Joan. It's so great to connect with you again. So, Mark, before we get into the conversation about diet typing for immune support, can you briefly describe for us what diet typing is and how it works? So, Diet Typing Systems is a web-based app that helps guide people to personalized diet so that the foods work best for their body. What are the benefits of understanding a personal type? Well, the body is a complex organism. And the thing is, is that everybody has kind of a unique biochemistry that works for them. For some people, they need more carbohydrates because it's a better fuel source for them. For some people, they need more fat because it's a better fuel source for them. But everybody also has different um, strengths and weaknesses in their bodies that can be supported by food. And we have gone through for the last 40 years and researched a bunch of foods against different health conditions. So, for example, people with hypothyroidism, they need to stay away from foods like broccoli and cabbage and cruciferous vegetables. So the food list will will strike those foods out and remove them from the diet to best support those, those people. And it'll best support people's immunity. Okay, so let's talk about how this information can help us boost our immune system so we can combat colds and viruses. So as, as the pandemic has kind of shown us, we got to be kind of be ready for everything. And the body needs a bunch of different resources in order for it to fight colds and viruses and stuff like that. You know, when, it, when you're not dealing with colds and viruses, your body can just kind of operate smoothly. But once you, once you get invaded or attacked at this point in time, you basically got to call in SEAL Team 6 uh, to go in and develop a bunch of white blood cells and immune support in order to deal with the offending viruses or bacteria that are going on. So a diet that is working best with people's body types and is um, has them functioning at their peak performance, that person is going to do better in being able to fend off any uh, viruses or bacterial infections or anything like that. Okay, so then our best defense is a strong immune system, and that can be achieved by understanding the types of foods that work best for our body. Absolutely. So, Mark, where can our listeners go to get more information about you and diet typing? They can go to prospectfitness.com. And again, that's prospectfitness.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Joan. joining us, I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications, LLC.